This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3149 for Thursday the 27th of August 2020. Today's show is entitled HPR Audiobook Club 21 The Terrible Business of Salmon and Dusk and is part of the series HPR underscore Audiobook Club. It is the 20th anniversary show of HPR underscore Audiobook Club and is about 106 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, the HPR Audiobook Club reviews the audiobook The Terrible Business of Salmon and Dusk by McKay Bartle. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Welcome again to another episode of Hacker Public Radio, uh, specifically the Hacker Public Radio Audio Book Club. Uh, tonight, we will be reviewing um, the audio book. It's got several names, but uh, basically, How to Disappear Completely, The Terrible Business of Salmon and Dusk by Mike Bennett, right? Bartlett. Bartlett, damn it! See, I got that wrong at the end of last show. I thought I, I thought it was the same guy. It's not. It's two different guys. Anyway, that was X one one zero one. He's a cool guy. Thanks, Pokey. And with us also we have Taj, who is not a cool guy. I did oh, not say that. Baloney. What's good, everybody? I think this book was good. I liked it. I liked it too. It was just weird, and it wasn't mm-hmm. any, and it wasn't any less weird the second time around. Oh, but it was a lot easier to understand the second time around. I'll tell you that. I had technical difficulties both times that made it equally hard to follow twice. Me too. Well, the second time I had technical difficulties, but not mine. Tosh, sorry. I saw you key up. I'm glad you fellows enjoyed this book. (laughs) I'll just start like that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I also, I even came prepared with a joke about the uh, technical difficulties I had with this book. I was going to be like, let me tell you about the terrible business of trying to listen to this book. That's, really? a ter- that's a terrible joke, and I love it. All right, so let me let me hear, Todd, why did you have a hard time listening to this book? From a technical perspective or from like just listening to the book? Let's start Let's with start- technical. I try to play this on everything. And so usually what I do is... I download audiobooks on my phone, and I just download the raw audio files, usually whatever they're in, and I throw them in VLC for Android, and it usually chugs through anything I throw at it, speed it up, do whatever I want to do. It choked on about every, it choked on every episode I threw at it. It just would not work. Just, just said it wouldn't do it. So I was did like, it, did it choke on it when you tried to speed it up? Yes. That is exactly the problem that I had. So I moved on and I was like, okay, not a big deal. I'll download the RSS feed and I'll put it in. Uh, I use AntennaPod, which is a pod, 
catcher. And I was like, I can just download the audio files and speed it up in antenna pod. N- no. Ha <laughs> ha. Nope. Fail. So then I was like, why, why didn't you try it in VLC at normal speed? Oh, cause you're running every Avenue to run it at high speed. Yes. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could have listened to this at regular speed and kept my sanity. Uh, and so moving from that, I went and branched out and tried some new audio players on Android, which we'll talk about later. And finally, what I had to do, and it worked brilliantly, and I should have went here at the beginning, is I put it on my Sansa clip. It's running Rockbox, and Rockbox played it like a champ. Didn't even stutter. Didn't think about it. Just did it. Oh, good, because I was just, I had as you were talking, I had just turned on my Sansa clip, and I was going to play an episode in my earbud and see if I could speed it up, because I don't listen to stuff sped up. Well, it sounds like Taj had the same problems with the same thing that I did, and that was uh, in my audio player of choice for Android. My default settings are, you know, speed up to about two, uh, remove silence, and increase the volume. And every time I went to play an episode, it just said, ha ha, no, with those settings. And so I had to play it anyway. But it kept trying to jump out of order. And luckily, I enjoyed this book enough that listening to it at 1x speed was not the worst thing in the world. So now I'm curious, what audio player are you using to remove silence and uh, increase the volume? So if you care about your software freedom at all, do not use this because it doesn't. But at the time that I went to purchase this, I was more interested in it speeds up audio files and does it well. And that is Pocket Casts. This is the first time I have had any problems with this application since I bought it. It was $4 and I do not regret it for a moment. GPL or it didn't happen. Well, then it didn't happen. (laughs) Actually, uh, just as a shout out uh, for AntennaPod, like they recent, it's great open source community. They ha- their GitHub is wonderful. I've had like three issues with AntennaPod in the entire. I've used it for like a year and a half. I put an issue on the GitHub, and literally that day, the developer is contacting me, wanting to know what's going on, and it, it's amazing. And everything's been fixed. So it's if you're looking for something, it's a little weird to get into for a podcatcher because it doesn't run the way you want it to but if you can wrap your brain around the way it works it is awesome wow we could do audio players for our beverage review tonight because i was just thinking how great rockbox still is i'm still using rockbox and i'm still using g potter to download my podcasts i I rock g potter too see i don't want one more device See, I don't have one more device. I have the same two devices I've had for like eight years now. But I don't want two. I want one. My phone should be able to do that. See, I don't like a phone for audio. I I like having a standalone device. I don't like using my phone battery for that stuff. To each their own. Yeah, I know. I I don't understand it. I, I don't understand how you can do that. It's easy. I just press a button and it works. Yeah, but also... There's a touch screen. It's, how do you pause and turn the volume up and fast forward and rewind without looking at the thing? You don't. Except for the volume, because I have physical volume buttons. Okay, there. See, now pause, play, and rewind. Uh, that's stuff I do all the time. The main uh, reason... For, for pause and play, my app 
mostly throws a um, a widget over top of the lock screen so you can do pause play and I think even rewind and fast forward right on the lock screen without actually unlocking the phone. So you just don't have to look at it, but you don't have to you know punch in whatever secret passphrase you've got to unlock your phone to be able to pause, unpause or you know speed uh, move forward or backward in your audio file. Yeah, all the players I've tried do that, too. It's over the lock screen, but it's the not looking at it thing that's important to me. See, I, I carry my Sansa clip in a shirt pocket, so all I have to do is reach up and look like I'm playing with my nipples. <laughs> I, I I enjoy that. Do you say, oh, baby, oh, baby, every time you do? Sometimes, well, more often than not, I'm laughing hysterically at something that nobody else understands. So how I do it with my phone is I have this amazing set of wireless Bluetooth headphones that my family bought me for like Father's Day two years ago or something. And they they sound terrible. They're the worst audio quality ever if you want to listen to music. But for like spoken word stuff, they're great. And they have play, pause, and skip on the headphones. And they're buttons. So I can just reach up and do it on my headphones. And I don't ever have to look at the phone. It's in my pocket. So that works great for that. But if I'm going to do something where I'm afraid uh, it's a little rough and tumble and something might happen, i totally take the Sansa clip. Because if that gets trashed, I'm not worrying about it as much as my phone. Uh, see, now, that's a great solution, except for motorcycle helmets. Yeah, those are kind of important. Which leads me to the trouble that I had listening to this audiobook uh, and getting it done in time was actually a challenge for me for, for the first time ever. So I can really not listen to music when I'm riding my motorcycle. I, I can't do it very well not if i'm riding seriously because every road kind of has its own rhythm that you you sort of have to obey and you can tell how well you're doing by how the engine sounds you really have to listen to to that and hear that and as soon as you start hearing another rhythm in your head it kind of breaks that for me anyway i got a friend who can listen to music just fine um and i can listen to music on my commute but i typically choose not to but i've learned that i can listen to podcasts and audiobooks just fine um and i can actually concentrate on them pretty well in inside my helmet uh so that's what i've been doing and i've really i've been putting on a lot of miles on my motorcycle lately uh it's it's brand new and i'm just getting back into it and it's the weather's great and it's so much fun um that i really can't stop myself and this book is unlistenable inside a motorcycle helmet, no matter what I do. Um, there's just too much dynamic range. So if I turn it up to where it's comfortable, there was a lot of times when he got real quiet or uh, said something real quick or with an affectation that I just couldn't hear. And as accessible as my Sansa clip is in my shirt pocket, um, it's not as accessible when it's buried under a motorcycle jacket and I'm wearing, you know, thick leather gloves on my hands. Not super thick, but thick enough you can't feel the clips buttons. Um, and if I turned it up enough that I could hear the quiet stuff, then the loud stuff was just skull shattering. It was just, it was too much. There was too much treble. Um, and, and at high volumes, that treble seems to artifact as well, which is really 
like it just sounds like broken glass in in your ears and so i could not listen to this one on the motorcycle so i had to remind myself to take every opportunity to listen while i was off so i almost didn't get this one done in time another technical thing that i noticed was that the audio files were named in different ways like halfway through and the album art changed <laughs> randomly in the middle of the book twice and i don't know if that goes with like the their act breaks and i don't know if he did it like that but one of the players that i tried to play it in went insane trying to figure out why there were different artwork for different things and then thought it was different albums and it it was a nightmare wow see i'm looking i'm looking for where i downloaded this now i don't see where i downloaded on my computer but i wanted to i was just thinking i should look at it in um with a with a tag editor and see what it was encoded with and what the album art was and stuff because i bet there's some clues there i i don't know how there there's only one other thing that i've ever had that didn't um that just kind of like choked everything i threw at it and it funny enough is linux lugcast uh occasionally it just doesn't want to work and i probably should tell the guys so they could fix it but i haven't because i'm lazy and not a good contributor here here for laziness yeah here here yeah and then not being a good contributor I'm, I'm not been very good lately at all and i really need to be two of my very favorite programs are sort of one just kind of lost a feature that you wouldn't have th thought of was a feature and the other one needs a feature but uh like osmond i use all the time and it needs a motorcycle button i don't i don't care i cannot make the car button work like a motorcycle and the bicycle one refuses to do car type things but also g potter man when i just updated or upgraded um to the latest stable version of debian uh g potter got an upgrade and there's no progress bar anymore for when it's copying files to the to your device and i really need that i can't tell when it's done <laughs> i was gonna i thought you were gonna say the same i updated g potter and this is for arch uh it just wouldn't open anymore. Like I had to literally go in the terminal and open it from user slash bin and then it opened and now it works fine. But it took me like a week to figure out what was going on. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. Oh, that's weird. Did it like not link to the right file? What happened? I have no idea. And I, I was like, it was one of those things that I was mildly irritated about, but didn't have enough time to actually like mess around with it to figure out what was going on so i'd i'd just randomly every time i turned on my computer just try to open it and see if it would open and it wouldn't it just fail and so i was like yeah i'll look at it later and then i i finally was like well let me just try to start it from the terminal and so i just you know it's in user slash bin opened it up it opened up fine i was like ah oh, there you are and then i closed it and i went and hit the icon and it worked i just i guess it became disassociated with the launcher or something i have no idea okay so there are nine there were nine different versions of iTunes used to uh encode various episodes of this audiobook and then there was a whole bunch at the beginning that didn't say what they were encoded by so there's the problem iTunes it honestly it usually is the problem if 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 ever there's a problem with a, an audio file it usually is iTunes if it's not somebody's weird audio card you know, doing weird stuff. It's usually iTunes. Yay, Apple. That that sarcasm. Yeah, I know. There's like hexadecimal 
comments in the comments, just a, a string of hex numbers. You know what? What is up with that? Thanks a lot, iTunes. Can't believe I used to be an Apple person. Like I look back at that man, I'm just like, what were you thinking? Hey, you're a better man. Calm down. We like you a lot. <laughs> While I left the video and audio industry, that was my first good step. I don't see album art for anything except the very last episode. When I loaded it into something, I don't want to say it because it's my thing for later. Um, it, it it had three different uh, album arts, two of which were actually really nice looking, and the other one looked like my daughter drew it with a crayon. Um, <laughs> but it was it it freaked out because I obviously I didn't pull down any album art other than what would be embedded in the files. I'm guessing that that's what broke it then because I'm using Easy Tag here, and only the very last episode has an image for album art so maybe it's using maybe itunes embedded album art some other way that might be what that hex code is in the comments very very strange oh and the frequency is screwed up too that might be why if the frequency is messy that might be why it has a hard time speeding up and doing all the other fancy processing stuff they done broke my algorithms it is it's screwed up the I, uh, let me see episodes 26 through 30 and there was one near the beginning but I can't, yep, hit, yep. can't hit buttons 26 through 30 and one near the beginning were encoded or recorded anyway at, at 44.1 the rest are at 22.050 so they're like half half the frequency that they should be and there's an audio tip for anybody out there just getting started if you're going to be recording and you have uh, access to the, the frequency at which you record, you want it to be 44.1. That is the most universally compatible um, with every stuff. It's it's the rate at which CDs were and, and are if they still are recorded. That's that's the, the, the rate that they're recorded at. So you want that if you want compatibility. Shout out for Easy Tag 2, the program's boss. It really is. Holy shit, there's one of these. Episode 2 the bit rate has a tilde in it. It's it's tilde 86 kilobits per second. So it's, it's right well, around there. I don't know right. if that means it's variable bit rate or not. Well, it's about 86 bit kilobits per second. It, and there's some in here that are at, at tilde 39. Let's be honest. Nothing about this is any weirder than the book itself. This is a very meta conversation. <laughs> You're absolutely right. The book is as strange as as the rat hole that we're diving in. In fact, everything about the book was a rat hole. Uh, yeah, exactly. So what do we think of the book? Well, I, I really liked the story for a lot of the same reasons as I liked the Tincture story, is that it's just a weird world that you fall into and can't figure out. And every time you think you have a handle on something, it takes another drastic left turn. Man, is it a spoiler to talk about something that happened in the first three or four chapters? I think no. it's pretty impossible to do this without spoilers. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I could say pre-spoiler, and there's not a whole lot. I'm just like, uh, general impressions and audio quality and how things are broken is kind of where I'm at. Okay, well, if we're going to get into spoilers that early, then let me do my few things that I can think of that aren't spoilers. Uh and and for you guys too, if you got any. First of all, I loved the guys 
reading. I thought he did it really well. He was, it was a fun voice to listen to. I don't think I could listen to him read the phone book, but I certainly was able to listen to him read this, and it was good. I, I did like that. His reading was good. Um, the sound, other than the weird you know, artifacts that you get from compression and from there being a little too much treble. Um, the, the sound was good. It did not sound bad. There are certainly worse books on patio books and there are certainly worse, you know, books on, uh, on, uh, like LibriVox. Um, so I, I really can't complain other than it was just slightly out of motorcycle listening range. Yeah. I thought technically his reading in, in, the subtle variations in accent, which I'm sure people from around the world who are listening to us as Americans are probably like, yes, people have accents, but because um, we have accents here, all three of us have a different accent, but uh, his ability to switch the version of his accent for the different characters worked really well. Not so much for voices. I uh, A lot of times I wasn't sure if a woman had just spoken or not, and I had to do the instant replay in my head to figure it out. But he read slow enough that I could. Yeah, he didn't really do many voices. It was more just like accents and dialect stuff. But it was enough to where I, I could generally tell, I think. I was never really confused about who was talking. X1101, how about you? Any impressions of, of this nature? I mean, I thought the reading quality was good. I have to pretty much just say me too to almost everything you just said. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I hate. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, no thunder. I mean, it, I just you guys put the put a f- pretty fine point on it. We're cool like that. So I thought the characters for the most part were pretty awesome and pretty likable. And I didn't really mind when it switched from one character's story to another because i thought all the characters were super interesting yeah i like that though i gotta say the only one i could really sympathize with was neuro <laughs> yeah he was he, he was awesome i'm not sure about with but definitely four yeah okay maybe <laughs> you might be right yeah maybe not with yeah i i could totally uh, you know sympathize for him like i didn't really like uh, Theo, I thought, I mean, she was just kind of a, well, basically an alcoholic, just a drunk, um, just kind of a loser. I mean, and that was, that was kind of the point of the story. She had to be, to be in the story. And then Kilby, I had a hard time figuring out what he was. Cause sometimes she seemed like just a, a shiftless loser, but then other times he's like the hero figure of the story and doing, you know, impressive things. So he, uh, I don't know. He was kind of weird, almost out of place, which again, I'll have to qualify by saying was kind of appropriate in a story that's about being out of place. Yeah. I, I think the things that really got in my way of enjoying this were, and I can't get into too much. I'll get into the details of the other after spoilers is, when I looked at it, the label said magical realism, which I love. I love magical realism. Um, and so I had an expectation going into it that it would be a little different than it is. Uh, and it wasn't. And so that was interesting for me. Um, not that it was a bad thing. I just think it may have been a little mislabeled. And the other is I I was piecing together this whole world and the ideas in this world from about well, from definitely two other things that I know of that it was just like, oh, you saw this movie and read this and put it together. And that's kind of what this would come out of. 
Um, and I don't know that it did anything different. I, I don't know if the author knows the, the two things that I'm thinking of, that it just seems to be kind of ripping off. I'd like to hear about magical realism a little more about that. Have you got a definition? Because I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I didn't read the description for this. So magical realism is kind of a... It's real popular in like uh, native cultures and stuff where you'll just have these strange, fantastical things that happen and it's completely normal. Like it's treated as though it just fits into the world as nothing. And and I'm sure literature people are probably screaming like, no, Taj, what are you doing? You don't know what you're talking about. And this is just from me reading a, a bunch of it um, is that it it's it's almost treated like it, it just exists is a normal place. And most of the time the people in the story, it's normal. It's not anything strange um, to where this was more like speculative fiction to me more. Uh, there was a couple points where it was kind of magical realism. Like uh, there was a scene in a store that we could probably talk about later that seemed to verge on ma- magical realism because everybody there was in the moment. It was, it was treated as, normal kind of even though it was uh strange it just seemed like you mean that time where it was both magical and real yeah right uh (laughs) but it seemed like that was that's more of what i was expecting and it wasn't that it happened occasionally but a lot of it was more i don't know it it, i can't believe i'm using this adjective for this book it seemed more grounded than that (laughs) like and the things that were weird were pointed out to be weird that it was strange and i guess maybe that's because we have we're looking through the eyes of a character who's not from this sort of world um that it looks like that but it seemed like a lot of times they would just point to something and go ah ah isn't it weird yeah let's check it out yeah grounded is not a word i would use to describe very much in this whole story i know that's why i'm surprised i did it's not no it's sort of is just because the stuff was pointed out I, i i see what todd was saying there that you know, he he, the author kept pointing it out because Theo was unaccustomed to it. Not you know, like Kilby just ignored it and kind of pretended like it was normal. You know, he's just trying to be cool. I think is is more of what he was playing off as than than it actually being normal or, uh, you know, walking Theo through or even giving her credit for being able to handle it. I think he was just trying to play it cool. I'm not sure he cared enough to be trying to play it cool. Oh, I think he did. I think he cared deeply. He was just trying to play it cool. He just didn't want it to show that he cared about anything. Yeah, I yeah, agree that... 100% with that. I think he was totally aware of that situation. Yeah, I mean, in a word, he Kilby's a poser. I mean, through the whole thing. He might be smart, he might be this, that, and the other thing, but the whole time he was a poser. And Theo kept saying as much that you know oh he he didn't let on that that was what he was thinking and he wasn't this about what he was doing that so i mean that's just what it was okay so urban dictionary said nothing at all about magic realism uh but wiktionary says it's a literary style or genre that combines naturalistic details and narrative with surreal or dreamlike elements so i guess i can understand that to look up naturalistic now. I think my disconnect is it, uh, there was a point in my life where I kind of searched out magical realism because I I read a couple books uh, that were that genre and I just enjoyed them. So I kind of went down that rabbit hole. And this 
to me was like a cognitive dissonance with that experience. I'm sure there's much more out there that is magical realism that I'm not accounting for. I'm just saying in my brain, it it didn't seem like it fit there. I, I would call it more speculative. All right. No, it's speculative fiction. I've heard that word thrown around a bunch too, but never uh, bothered looking it up. See, I can only make excuses. Like I've never heard it. That's, that's baloney. I've never bothered looking it up. We can look up anything nowadays. Well, I don't know. Now that I'm saying it, I'm like, maybe it's not speculative because speculative is more like, oh, this is what it might be like eventually. And it's, it's weird. It fits in this weird gray area, I think, in between like genres. I mean, like just strange, like the literary version of a David Lynch movie. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, uh, which I guess is sort of surrealistic. I mean, I, I think if you called this surrealistic, I'd be a little, it makes more sense. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe I'm just totally making stuff up at this point. You sound like a grumpy old man again, Tosh. <laughs> oh, see, speculative fiction, according to Wikipedia, uh, the way they're describing it, it's kind of like an umbrella that covers science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Yes, that sounds about right. Or at least having elements of the three maybe doesn't shoehorn into any one of them super well, so they made a bigger word i don't know all right i can see all this working as a description for this magic and, space mod. <laughs> and the only thing that i think i have left to say is that i'm glad the characters were interesting and the setting was interesting um it kind of seemed character driven and and setting driven it was more about the adventure and what they experienced because they're in my opinion, was not much of a plot here. No, that's another issue I had with it. I was more, I was much more interested in the setting uh, than even the characters. And I liked the characters, but I, I was like, eh, I wonder if you could do this in this world. Like, I kind of wanted to just have like a virtual reality version of the world that they're playing in and just poke around at it. I was more interested in that than I was what was actually going on. Yeah, that might be why I liked Neuro, because he seemed to do things where the other two were just lazy about it, you know? Like, things came to them and happened to them, but they had no motivation. They had no ambition. Yeah, it seemed like the other two characters were just kind of haggard drunks floating between experiences. Any other spoilers? I mean, non-spoilers? It's not a spoiler to say I have this beer I'd like to drink. Spoiler alert, there's reviews coming. X1101, since it was your birthday yesterday, and since it's the first time you've had your beer with you when we started the reviews, why don't we start with you? Uh, my sister got me this beer, and she admitted when she handed it to me that she bought it entirely for the label. Uh, this is a For the Lulz beer. This is Monty Python's Holy Grail, and then the GR is very badly scratched out, so it's supposed to say Holy Ale but still spelled A-I-L. This is Black Knight's Reserve, Dark Yorkshire Ale, tempered over burning witches. Yeah, I think they say that on all their beers. I've had their their regular ale. I don't think I've had the, the dark that you have. It smells nice. Let's see, see how it pours. It's dark, foamy, doesn't let very much light through, which is good. It's nice, slightly smoky, kind of malty. Otherwise, it is fairly nondescript. I mean, it's just a dark, malty, smoky-tasting, really funny beer. Cool. Yeah, that's the one I had was high quality, 
um, a little on the sweet side, and um, I don't know, just decent. It was it was good. It wasn't wasn't bad for a go to. It was a little expensive. You do pay for the comedy. I was worried it was going to be a little over sweet because I, I I don't do sweet beers. You know, as regular listeners will note, I'm usually the guy with the super bitter hoppy beverage, which this is not at all. But this this is a nice change up from the massive quantities of hops I've had over the last week. Yeah, you had a funny comment. You texted me a picture of that earlier this week, and I said I thought it was a little sweet. And you said something to the effect of, well, if I thought it was sweet, that you were definitely going to need a, a hoppy chaser. Yeah, because you, you seem to have had the tendency. You're the one you like sweeter beers anyway than I do anyway. Yeah, or malty. I really like malty beers. Most of them just happen to be sweet. But yeah, you, you really like the, the bitter hoppy beers compared to me, for sure. Though I dare say you probably wouldn't call them bitter. Oh, no, no, you definitely taste the bitterness. You just, I've learned to enjoy that bitterness, just like I like my coffee nice and dark, and and it's bitter. It's just not, well, good coffee isn't bitter the same way that bad coffee is, but it is still, it's it's bitter, but not in the sharp, unpleasant way, if I I can't articulate any better than that. Embrace the bitter. No, I agree. There's definitely a good bitter and a bad bitter, and they're totally different. So, otherwise, that's all I got. So, how about you, Pogi? What you drinking tonight? Um, I'm drinking Long Trail Double Bag, and I have a sneaky suspicion that I've reviewed this before. I'm pretty sure you have, but that's okay. Well, then I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let Taj go because I'm gonna do what he's doing, and I but it was his idea, so he's gonna go first. Rock and roll. Um, so basically, the last two weeks of my life have been. Um, helping teach a marching band camp. So I've been spending 12-hour days in the Woo-hoo! sun. Party! No, it's it's not a party. It's just a lot of sweating and being annoyed. Uh, so I've been... I, I really? Because that, ex- that sounds exactly like what most parties I've been to is. It's 12 hours sweating <laughs> and being annoyed. I, I forgot to push the chuckle that time. You made me laugh, Tosh. Okay, so it does sound like a party. <laughs> most parties. But, uh... So I, I literally rolled in here. I was a little late um, to the party because I just came in directly from there. So I'm drinking water to rehydrate myself because I'm a hot, sweaty mess. So I decided that I was going to do a app pick instead, just so I had a review. So uh, we were talking about all the technical difficulties with playing this, and I played around with a lot of audio players and stuff. And one of the things I always uh, like, Pokey, I always go to F-Droid first because GPL or it didn't happen. Uh, or at least that's the way I feel about it. And I uh, played with a couple audio players, couldn't find anything that worked. I did stumble across an audio book player, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. What's different between that and a regular audio player? So I downloaded, uh, I believe it's called Material Player. You think I would have looked this up before I started talking about it, but... Psh. Link, links or it didn't happen. Wah, wah, wah. Yes, it's called Material Player. Uh, and it is an audiobook player, and it's real simple. It does one job. It plays audiobooks, and it can play them at higher speeds than 1x, which makes me happy. It is kind of one of those. It's Occasionally, you'll find an app that's like a diamond in the rough, and because it's open source, you know it's probably going to get better. That's how I feel about this. I've already... Um, the variable speed only goes up to 2x, and I went to the GitHub, and I was like, yo, peeps, can we jack up the speed? Uh, and hopefully, we'll hear back about that, but... 
Uh, it, it's very simple and it does exactly what it says and it's uh, nice and clean. So I kept it just in case I wanted to use it again. It seems like a nice way to separate out um, if you use an audio player and then a audiobook player just to kind of keep the audio file separate because you can uh, set up a folder just for your audiobooks and dump it in there. And in my case, I can put the audiobook folder on my SD card on my phone and just push it all off the SD card and don't have to worry about it. It's all over there, which is really nice. So uh, Material Player, it's pretty cool. Check it out. So I have a couple questions about it. How does it arrange, how does it organize the books? How does it know? Does it go by file name? Does it have a database? Does it use tags? I'm not quite sure because that's part of the conversation. This was the one player that decided that it was going to lose its mind because there were three different kinds of album art. So what it did is it assumed that it was three different books and it put them together. Uh, and that, so basically when you open it up, you can, I believe, let me play with it here. You can set it up to either do, let's see. No, you can't. It just does it the way it wants to do it. Uh, it puts just the, the, album art up and it's kind of like the just row of album art and you click on that and it takes you inside the book where you see the individual tracks and it um it has a sleep timer it remembers your playback position and all that stuff so it's really it's got a lot of features you want just for reading books um but i don't know where it's pulling that data from uh i assumed it was probably coming from the tags because it had album art uh but if it's not in the tags maybe they have a database but I don't understand why it would still be jacked up. So that's something to look into. I'm not sure. I'm looking at the tags and it would have a really hard time organizing it just by these tags because the, the title changes several times the, the, we know the file name changed once the, 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 uh, format of the file name changed once, but the, the format of the titles changes at least twice. And, maybe the album stayed the same. I'd have to widen the window. And then the track number, he seemed to have incremented that correctly each time. But that's about the only consistency in these file tags. Oh, and the <laughs> artist's name. Well, you got to get that right. Well, he does. I got it wrong last time. Bad pokey. Oh, but yeah. He-, he he made a classic mistake here, too. In the genre, he's got it podcast every time, which is okay. But sometimes it's capitalized and sometimes it isn't. And that can make a difference. That can throw your stuff out of whack if it's relying on that. I'm assuming I'm assuming from all the differences that this probably was recorded over a very long period of time. And perhaps he forgot what he was doing between them and just kind of made it up. Uh, nope. The first file has 2006 as the year and the second and the last has 2007. So at most 24 months. Well, then. I think we're. I think he's trolling us. I think, I think it's maybe it's like a total meta thing. I'm just gonna do this. No, you know what? I, I'm gonna say no. I this is a mistake that I find in probably ninety percent, maybe even more, maybe ninety five percent of all the audiobooks and podcasts that I've ever listened to and looked at the tags and file names and stuff. Is that most people when they start out. They're just naming it as they go. They don't think about naming convention and tag convention when they start out. And they think of it later, but then it's too late. So now they have to think of something that won't break the old thing, but will work with a standard convention. But then it always breaks. So then they eventually wind up changing again. And 
here's something. If you're going to start a project, people, any project, but especially one of, of audio files, episodic content, a podcast, an audio book, really pick a good naming convention for your very first episode and stick with it. So if it's, for instance, a, an audio book and you're in chapter one and you might run a little long, you're going to want to call that 01. If it's a podcast, you're probably going to want to call that 001 because you really want it to stick and we're probably as we're probably really terrible at this too since there's i don't think i've done anything with tags for any of ours uh but that's because hpr messes with it so i haven't bothered um but if you're going to do something like that yeah really stick with a convention fill out all the fields in a in a reasonable way or leave them blank but then Always leave them blank. Don't fill them in later. Or go back and fill them in so that when somebody tries to catch up, they get the, the same convention from start to finish. It's it's really super important. And for the love of God, don't put spaces in your file names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hyphens and underscores, people. Spaces in file names make me want to punch kittens. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I really hate spaces and file names. I think that's because a kitten stepped on his space bar once and ruined his whole day. Apparently kittens are responsible for all spaces ever. Keyboard cat. Keyboard cat did that. Nah, that dude deserves to get punched, so it's okay. Oh, on his own merit, huh? Grumpy cat should just walk up and jack him. That would be hilarious. So that's cool. That's a cool uh, Android pick. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I am going to do the same thing, not with Android. Uh, this is IRL stuff. So I'm going to review, because I've reviewed my beer before and it's the only one I have. Um, I'm going to review the Rusty Wallace Formula Experience. Um, I don't know what the whole title is, but it's it's a, a business owned by Rusty Wallace, who is a former... Uh, NASCAR driver. He drove Winston Cup and uh, Sprint Cup and Nextel Cup and whatever cups there were. He drove them all. Um, he was a fairly successful driver. I was never a real fan of his, but that's beside the point. Drove the number two car. Everybody will know that. And um, so now he, he um, among probably many other things, he owns a business where you it, it travels along uh, – Sometimes with the, the like NASCAR circuit, they'll go like a week ahead and they'll rent the racetrack for a day and they bring race cars there and you can purchase from them uh, some time in one of those race cars. And they have several different ones. They have like a, um, a cup car experience where there's a stock car and you can drive a stock car around an oval course and see how that is. And then there's... Uh, we did a formula experience where we drove open wheel cars on a road course and we did it at, um, the New Hampshire motor speedway it used to be the New Hampshire international speedway, which is an oval course, but has a road configuration as well. And we, we drove on the road configuration, me and a friend of mine. And, uh, they also have a ride along experience where you can get in the passenger seat and a professional driver. Um, perhaps he's got some, some, time behind the wheel in a, in a real racing series probably has, has had some time in a real racing series. Um, but he goes around the track very, very fast. Uh, 
So you can do one of those three things. Um, the, the one we chose to do was to drive these formula cars, these little open wheel cars that are very, very lightweight, um, super low to the ground, open cockpit. Um, picture a Formula One car or, or an Indy car or something like that, if you're familiar with those terms, um, but much less powerful. These are like uh, baby's first Indy car, which is still super, super fast, super twitchy, like nothing you've ever, ever driven on the street. Um, no... The super accurate steering, but no power steering. Um, super accurate throttle response, but no traction control. <laughs> um, Should have had good brakes. Mine had really shitty brakes. Um, no ABS. So, uh, and and you you're allowed to drive these cars right at their limit. They don't really tell you anything about how to drive the car. You you're expected to know how to drive a car and how to get out there and do that. Um, and that's really cool that that kind of you get in the car and the world is yours. Um, knowing that going in, I bought the insurance. <laughs> and I'm glad I did, even though I didn't have to use it. But, uh, you know, so my review of the thing is it, it's definitely something that that I would recommend if you're a, a fan of going fast and you've never raced officially. Um, this is a great way to experience that. It's definitely worth it. I would recommend doing it once. Um it's not all, uh, you know, peaches and roses, though. Uh, you got to understand kind of what it is. So the cars themselves are like former race cars, which means they've been beat to piss. They are shagged. Um, they are just barely passable as 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 uh, machines. <laughs> so they're held together with safety wire and tape, uh, which is what a lot of race cars are held together with anyway. Um, and even still, they are faster than anything you've ever driven. It is an experience. Uh, we purchased five laps each. And I will say that if you've never done this before, if you have done it before, if you have access to a race car, just go do that. If you've never done it before, five laps is not enough. Um, it's not enough to learn this car and it's not enough to learn a racetrack that you've never been on to really go fast. So you, you really can't go super, super fast. Um, and as an example of that, my buddy, and I think this is just by chance. I don't think it's cause he's so impressive though. He is really impressive as a race car driver. Anytime we've done race car driving, anything like that, he's, he's the fastest one of any group we've ever been in. But we were in these open wheel cars and every single one of us, except for him got passed by the professional driver in a Miata. Uh, and a Miata has no right to pass one of these cars if they were driven by the same person. So that's, that just tells you, you know, how much time we didn't have behind the wheels of these things. Uh, so if you know that going in, if you know, you need more than five laps, like 15 would have probably been enough to get some good lap times out of it. Um, but they're wicked expensive for for lap time. And to get into the thing, it's really expensive unless everybody says, and I think this is what my wife did, she bought it as a gift, unless you get a Groupon for the thing. And then it's about a third of the cost. But the extra laps, I don't think you can purchase by a Groupon. So um, it's insane. It's intense. It's, it's mind-blowingly fast. Uh, it's 
they sound like small cars, little 2.2 liter, 140 horse, doesn't sound like a lot, but I spun the car out twice on my first lap, under power, not under braking. <laughs> Almost any car will spin under braking if you do it wrong. Uh, I spun out under power twice, so it's definitely a fast car. Um, if you can get out on the track behind a professional driver, follow him through a turn or two, that's awesome too. I, he passed me going into one of the slower parts of the race course and i followed him through one of the actually probably the most fun part of the race course and that was insane that was intense uh so i i mean just following him through that one turn was worth the price of admission and um i mean i think it's all about all i have to say unless i go into great detail which would take all night uh so i won't do that so i'll just say try it uh know that you're getting in a shitty car wear like a pad or something in your pants for god's sake there's no padding that you're sitting on a piece of steel i i bruised my tailbone it hurts so bad because you're laying back like you're on your back in when if you don't know that about a formula car your feet are way way out in front of you and your head is way behind your ass so uh yeah these things are awesome and uh, if anybody is going to try it um get in touch with me because there's a trick to the shifter Did they take too much time with that no it's cool we just kind of want to do it now that's that's the only difference <laughs> oh yeah you should you definitely should do it Definitely, definitely, definitely should do it. You just need more laps than I had to get used to the car. I, I pushed it too hard trying to, you know, get my experience in real quick, and that's how I spun it out. And then after spinning twice, knowing that the the deductible on the insurance for the car was like a thousand dollars, and the track field when you're, you know, your head is only eighteen inches off the ground, your ass is an inch and a half off the ground, the track feels very, very narrow, even at its widest points. So you you feel like if you spin you're gonna hit the wall. So I really slowed down after that. Um my fastest lap was maybe a second slower than my buddy's slowest lap. <laughs> and he never spun, so he never chickened out like that. But also um the brakes on the car I had were terrible. They were really, really vague. I could not tell there was no feedback to them. Like they needed fresh brake fluid. Really, the the brake fluid sucked. The brakes themselves, I'm sure, were fine. Just it needed fresh fluid, and uh, I, I could feel they pulled to the left when I hit the brakes, which I could deal with. But uh, when you're using so much traction for every action that you're doing, and you're trying to separate those actions, so you you do your braking in a perfectly straight line as you can so that you're not using traction for both braking and steering, it, it becomes kind of critical when it pulls to the left. Well, now you're steering to the right as you're braking, so it it costs you traction and it costs you performance. And the shifter was really awesome in those cars. Everybody complained about it because they weren't used to it. It's It's a super short throw shifter. You just kind of grab it with your whole hand and just snap your wrist back or forward. But when it was in gear, when you weren't using it, it would flop freely side to side and really back and forth. Um, so you just kind of had to give it a snapping motion. You, you'd let off the cl- you'd let off the gas and stomp on the clutch and snap your wrist all at the same time, and then step on the gas. And it was it was great. It was a really super fast. It shifted like a motorcycle. Felt like shifting a motorcycle. And that I was really happy with because everybody else out on the racetrack you heard them missing multiple shifts they could not figure it out but i I had it on the first try and it was awesome all right stop me from talking about this now get back to the book well color me jealous and let's go move on that book though yeah 
why did he never friggin' describe why two sticks of chalk were so important and they couldn't just go to the children's section of Toys R Us and buy two sticks of chalk? Yeah, that would have been nice. Oh, they're invisible. They could steal two sticks of chalk from the children's section. What the F? Magic chalk. They didn't say magic chalk. They said chalk. Yep. That was bullshit. I kept waiting for them to get back to the, even my second time through, because I, I list the first time I listened to it was so long ago that I didn't remember a lot of it, and most of it didn't make sense to me at that time. I wasn't listening as closely. Maybe, yeah. It. I, I kept waiting for them to explain what the hell the chalk was about, and that sucked. Maybe in the other book they do. Now I have to listen to the other one. There's another book. Yes, I will report back. Oh, send me a link. I will have to slog through that as well because it's just weird enough that I have to know. Yeah. Well, and it was a fun book. It, you know, I, I can complain that I never heard what the chalk was. And I'll complain right now. I have no idea how it ended. Uh, the Deus Ex Machina, book over, done. Just I, like the author got tired of writing as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, cool story. It's awesome that you say that because I listened to the ending twice and I was still like, the fuck? Wait, there was, a, there was an ending? I thought it was just like, yeah, I'm done. Exactly. That's exactly how it ended. It ended by non-ending. It's, it's, it was a Neil Stevenson ending. Oh, well, it's kind of a Neil Stevenson middle, too. Yeah, but Neil Stevenson books are good. Not the one I read. Well, which one did you read? Quicksilver? Yeah, I tried. I didn't like that one either. Read Cryptonomicon. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a shot someday. It's like World War Two and crypto and now and crypto and nerds and math and it's fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm still trying to get through Sabriel, which I understand is good. I agree what I've read. I enjoy but it's just not super compelling yet and I keep waiting for it to get super compelling because everyone says it is. And then next is um, The Prince of Nothing, because I read the first chapter of that. It was super, super compelling all the way through, and I, I would really love to just drop what I'm reading and pick that up, but I, I don't have it in me. Yeah, I've been reading classic sci-fi right now. Um, right now, I'm almost done with iRobot, because I haven't read like these foundational classic stuff, and I, I, I gotta do it. Oh, iRobot was great. I loved that one. Yeah, I have too. Not the movie, though. No, the movie was awful. See, I didn't hate the movie, but uh, what does the movie have to do with the book? So far, nothing. Right. If it it reminded me of the time that I went and watched the movie uh, uh, The Scarlet Letter. <laughs> it was it had nothing to do. It took a couple of characters and a couple of scenes and combined them with the Crucible. And yeah, it was really terrible. Only movie... Maybe the only movie, first movie I ever walked out on anyway. But yeah, iRobot sucked as a movie. Great book. That book, though. So, like, you drew the comparison between this and the Tincture books. And I would agree. They're similar in a couple ways. But, and this may be just, like, me being mean. I don't know. I feel like the Tincture books were clever because they were clever. And there wasn't an effort there or if there was an effort it was skillfully hidden like it was hidden in the in the, in the works of the story where this i think it was clever and it was trying too hard to be clever i don't believe you what do you mean 
Well, when we reviewed the Tincture books, you said it reminded you of the Dark Tower series, and he tried to, to hide that but didn't do a good job of it. No, that was me, I think. Oh, well, then Taj agreed. Uh, I'm lumping the two of you together. Yeah, I've never read the Dark Tower books. It did irritate me that it was, like, thrown in there because I'm just like, is this part of that or not? But um, I think in general, it's just... it. it it's just better done to me. I don't know. That's just my overall impression. I felt like this one was just trying to be too much of what it was. I I don't know. All right. Well, then X one one oh one. What you all right? So when you said that the the tincture book was a lot like the Dark Tower series, what do you think? Was it too much like the Dark Tower series, and this one was better, or you, you liked that one better than this because it was more well done? I mean, can I can I uh, play you against Taj here somehow? If I have to pick which one was better done, the Tincture books are better. Really? Oh, yeah. This is weird and fun and confusing, but I don't know. For me, the Tincture books were just a little more subtle. This is – it's almost clubbing you over the head with how weird and out there it is. Pokey, did you read the second Tincture book, though? No, no, I didn't listen to that one. That was me again. No, I know. I was just I didn't know if he had gone back and and read it because that because we did read the second book and that might be coloring because we're seeing more of that more of how that universe is handled. Yeah, fair point. Wow. Okay. Because I thought I think I like this one better than the first Tincture book, and maybe maybe because it was less subtle, maybe it's more obvious, and I need that. I'm not stating that I do need that. I'm I'm thinking maybe I do. Maybe maybe I, I'm not as impressive as I think I am. No, you're pretty impressive. It's okay. We'll we'll just roll with it. We'll pretend that didn't happen. I wasn't hunting for that. I wasn't fishing for that compliment. I just, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I liked this one a little better than Tincture. One of the things that struck me, sorry if I'm off on a tangent, I'm pulling up my notes here to see the the, the four lines I wrote of things to think about. Um, (laughs) Whoa, show prep. That's, you're the first ever. No, I. Every month, I start off. I, I create a new Evernote. Or I, I have a running Evernote note, and I just change the delete my old stuff, throw the new book title in. And every month, I start the book off with this intention of taking notes, and then I listen to it while I'm doing stuff, and I don't take notes. The the few things I write down, I think, are kind of interesting or profound or something. But I, I have like two bullet points, and one of them we already discussed. Wow, that is way more prep than I've ever done. Yeah, you're you're prepared for this. You're you're hey, you're the new boss. I'm pre- pre- pretending to try and be prepared is about it. You've been promoted through apathy. <laughs> I I do the worst job at not caring. <laughs> exactly. Sold. So uh, what is your other point? And the whole talk of the fallen and how People, you know, you kind of just disappear and fall out of life. To me, seemed like a thinly veiled metaphor for uh, going through depression. Yeah, for sure. I, I can buy that. Ooh, I didn't catch that. Might actually, if I had thought that, that might have made it a little more interesting. I, well, I think I had a similar thought. I don't think it formed itself as well. And I, but if I did, it might have formed into depression too. I, I. I thought maybe alcoholism or just, you know, homeless crazy. Or even just like unwantedness because like her whole thing at the beginning is she's just kind of unwanted. 
Yeah, we're describing depression. I was going to say that's exactly – that's depression is feeling like no one wants you around and that kind of – the whole metaphor of quite literally disappearing out of someone's life. I, I don't know. That seemed like depression to me. Okay, okay, okay. I, I just don't do any show prep, guys. Yes. I'm, I'm doing this on the fly. Took me a second to hold my mic open to, to clap for that point. That was an excellent point, X1101. Well, it only took me a year and a half. <laughs> Let me write this on my calendar. Next time I have to good, make a good point is about December of 2016. No, no, it, it's annual now. It's the day after your birthday. I grant you 2000, Wolfie. Oh, man, that's an old joke. 2001, because it was extra bitching. Dang, he just prices righted me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Uh, 1999 is prices righting you. Or $1, isn't it? $1. Ah, one woofy. I grant you 2001 woofy and one woofy. We are so off the rails right now. I was parallel processing, sorry. So... You had two notes and four bullet points? No, no, it was, there was two bullet points, and there's a third one waiting for me to write something else down, and I just never got there. <laughs> Excellent. And, and the other bullet point was the uh, the weirdness with the files and stuff. That bullet, oh, point, yeah. that bullet point represents depression. It's lonely. Nobody wants it. It's it's apathy. You, you, you just gave up on it and faded. So... Yeah, I'd like to talk about some of the weird stuff, but everything was weird. So pick something. Uh, no, I got a better thing than talking about the weird stuff. How about um, Albion? Does anybody understand Albion at all? Not me. It's a bar where you pay with your pay for beers with IOUs, apparently. Yeah, for sure. No, there's more to it than that. I I think Albion was at one point. A, a portion of the land in the United Kingdoms, but was a country maybe, or at least maybe acted like one. Like there's some folklore having to do with Albion. That bar was not randomly named and I cannot find it. This is something I actually have looked for online and I really can't find anything about it except for just kind of general hints that it does have to do with, with the England um, but from, maybe from, pre-England. But then I've heard other people reference it. Uh, the guys on Geek Nights reference it all the time, and I have no idea why. The From Wikipedia, Albion is, womp, the womp, oldest, womp. is the oldest known name for the island of Great Britain. Today, it is still sometimes used periodically to refer to the island. The name for Scotland in the Celtic language is related to Albion. I swear I've looked at Wikipedia before and didn't see that. I'm really, really not as impressive as I thought. I'm also really, really a smartass. But it's helpful at this moment. And I head right back to the calendar to write that one down, too. So, all right, so it's the oldest known name for the island known as England. But I I, I swear I think there's more to it than that. Like, there's folklore and connections that just aren't in mainstream culture, but they're there somewhere. It has to be. Uh, Also, on the same Wikipedia page, the Albion is a popular pub name. There were 82 English public houses with this name in 2011. Oh, bitchin'. Uh, Another one that might be kind of what you're thinking of, Albion is referred to 
is used to refer to the land of Britain where magic is welcomed back from the old pagan religions in the Arthi- Ar- okay. It's from Arthurian. It's from Merlin. Ah, that is starting to make sense. Uh, it's also the name of Robin Hood's sword. What? I- I'm reading bullet points here. Um, apparently, Iron Maiden has a song about it. See, I knew there were references that I just wasn't understanding. Robin Hood's sword is named Albion? That's Robin Hood of Sherwood in the TV series, BBC TV series. Oh, so this is really an in thing with the Brits. Uh, Led Zeppelin. How? Uh, it said the popular English rock band Led Zeppelin references Albion in their song Presence from the album Achilles' Last Stand. I don't think I've ever I, heard of that album. I, I am literally reading from Wikipedia right now. This makes some for some very compelling podcasting. It's Creative Commons. We're good. Keep going. <laughs> good point. Those are all the ones that seem even remotely, um, remotely relevant. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for that. I knew there had to be something. I just never found it because I'm stupid, apparently, because it's on. It's all over Wikipedia. Oh yeah, front page article, Albion. Would you like me to Google that for you? I I really don't. Not not right now. It's I can't take it anymore. Not not especially. My wife and I went uh, fishing the other day on like a, you know, one of those. I, I keep saying charter boat. It's not. It's a head boat, I think is what my buddy called it. We're just, you know, 60 people fish next to each other, and they call it deep sea fishing. We did that, and guys were just talking bullshit. And I just looked at them and said, every one of us has an, an internet in our pocket. We could just look this up, and you two could stop bullshitting. You have an internet in your pocket? Is it different than the internet in my pocket? Not much. I bet we could pick a few differences, um, you know, just based on search history, but pretty much it's the same internet. Cool, just checking. There's so many jokes to be made. It uh, the, the bookmarks are a little different. That's about the, the, the only difference there. What about the meat marketers? What the hell? Weird for the sake of weird. Could have used a little more explanation. There are a lot of things that could have used a little more explanation. You mean me? Crazy Butcher Cannibals isn't self-explanatory? Yes, it was not. Are they really cannibals, or are they selling spare parts to people, or are they just culinary artists? I've heard the food in London and England is really, really bad. Is this why? Soylent Green? Maybe. Maybe Soylent Green. But maybe spare parts. I was thinking more like spare parts. But see, like, that's my point. Like, going back to the tincture thing, um, they have, like, Templars, which are, like, kind of the same thing but they explain it and it makes sense and you're like oh this fits inside this world in a way that is predictable and i can understand their motivation this was just creepy shit walking around for the sake of just having creepy shit walking around so you're saying that tincture was understandably weird and this is just randomly weird yes yeah but at the same time i really think this fit just as well whereas in tincture everything was explained a little bit better, or maybe not everything, but in in retrospect, things seem to have been explained better. In this book, it was more like you really don't want to know about those guys. That's fine to use them as like as a frightening unknown, but eventually you have to. I mean, like I don't know. It just and it seems like they're just brought up and dropped. Like at a certain point in the book, it's like, oh, we're done with that. We're just moving on. Unless you're going the Cthulhu route, the frightening unknown eventually has to become known or it's just not scary anymore. Yeah, that's true. If he does too many books that way, you're right. 
Well, I mean, or you go the whole uh, Lovecraftian mythos thing where it's the, the very act of knowing drives you crazy. And so you just get this whole story that's subtly kind of skirting around the edges of it. And then, you know, it happens and everybody just dies and goes crazy or something. Yeah, I don't quite see anyone going crazy and dying because they found out what the meat marketers really do. No, I don't either. That that was kind of my point. The one part that I remember that I was just like, okay, this is well done. Like this is this is written in a way that I enjoy is the moment when Theo like wakes up and realizes like when she starts to be able to see what he can see, like when she knows and she's like, Oh, I'm fallen now. Like I understand what that means because I can see the things that he sees. I see like the network, like everything that's happening underneath the real world. And, and just sort of that moment was well done. I thought like that was one of the strongest moments in the entire book for me. Yeah, it definitely was well done. It also happened to be a moment where things were kind of explained, which was nice. Sort of. But then it got unexplained again when the the Reverend, uh, oh, I can't even think of his name. Something Love, right? Didn't he have love his name? Love. Trus Love, right. When he called Kilby a fallen angel. Like, now that kind of confused that point, too. That whole thing, this is one of the things that I feel like was just lifted from something else. Has anybody ever read the Philip K. Dick short story uh, Adjustment Team? No. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's like a agency of people who kind of exist outside of reality that go back and kind of fix history and make sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to. And it, it I mean, it was just like, I kind of feel like they that whole story is just happening again in this world. Which PKD book was this? It was a short story. It was called, I think it's Adjustment Team or something like that. They made it into a movie a couple of years ago called The Adjustment Bureau, which was not as good as the short story. I, I, that's You're starting to sound like a broken record, except that you're right. <laughs> it seems like we can just insert this conversation a couple of times. Hey, they turned this into a movie and it wasn't as good as the book. Yeah. So what were the two things that would have birthed this had they come together. So one is that, and the other um, kind of like stylistically and not some of it was like things that were in this book, but like more stylistically was there's a Jodorowsky movie called the rainbow thief and Kilby reminds me of that guy. Like in my head, I'm seeing that character run around because it's, it's very similar. Um, somebody who had a bunch and then just kind of let it all go and lived in a sewer and like, just there's so many random things that connect to it. And it's, it's a Joe Dorowski movie. So it's very surreal. It's got a lot of crazy stuff going on, even though this is one of the less surreal movies he made. Um, I just feel like, cause I was trying to, I had that feeling too. And I was trying to explain the book to my wife and she's like, that sounds like kind of like the rainbow thief. And I was like, yes, exactly. It, Reminded me more of, um, I don't know, like a like a strange the characters alone. Kilby reminded me of a of a strange cross between like um, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Who. He definitely had a little Doctor in him. Like I agree with that, and a little bit of Sherlock too. Only the hat, though. Actually, the hat may be the only Sherlock Holmes. No, some of his mannerisms, but I, maybe they're they're Sherlock in that they're the things that Sherlock and the Doctor both do. 
Right, because the Doctor is Sherlock. I mean, that's kind of (laughs) what it is. I hate good wizards in stories. It always turns out to be him. He is Merlin. Wait, he's Merlin too? I'm so behind. Yeah, it's one of the things they mentioned in like the old series is that like somebody meets him and they're like, oh, you're Merlin. And he's like, what? Because it hasn't happened to him yet. So nobody's ever seen it, but he's supposedly Merlin. Okay, that that makes more sense. It's even more fun when someone tells him something about his future and he's confused. I would actually love to see the Peter Capaldi, the, the doctor now be Merlin. That would be hilarious. I've not seen any of the Capaldi stuff. Is it good? Uh, he is fantastic. I mean, he is amazing at being the doctor. I'm just done with Stephen Moffat running the show. Okay, that's fair. I was a big David Tennant fan. It took me a long time to warm up to Matt Smith, but I haven't seen Capaldi yet. So that's I'm still waiting for that to show up on Netflix. Well, Matt Smith came in with Moffat, and I'm just sick of the doctor and pretty girl and pretty girl this important for some amazing crazy reason it's just like i I, i've been dying since doctor who came back i want a male companion that is the full-time companion or i want an alien companion um and i don't think it's ever gonna happen i want to see a female doctor well oh you haven't spoilers um (laughs) they set up that it's possible how much do you want to know about the capaldi run (laughs) I want to wait until I see it. That's how much I want to know about it. Okay, mouth shut. Just to tick off a few of the boxes, this in absolutely no way made me think of Star Trek. Or Star Wars. Good, I could see Batman rolling around in this world, though. That'd be kind of cool. I may have enjoyed it more if Batman was in it. He'd just be grumpy and punch people. It kind of fits with this world. So couldn't uh, Nero be Batman? Because he was just kind of grumpy and punch people. I thought Nero was uh, Kato. Yes! I thought the same thing, too. Like, <laughs> like if you took the stereotype of Kato and actually, like, had an internal dialogue with that character, yes. Yeah, absolutely. He was Asian. He was shorter than Kilby. He drove the car. He did all the punching. Um, yeah, I sorry. I saw Kato. Yeah, but all of his dialogue could have been summed summed up with "Damn it, not again!" I know that's why I love him. Andy had a sweet ride. In a way, he sort of really did. Apparently, Freak- he had the only ride. Freaking time traveling mini! The hell, it wouldn't be sweet about that. No, it wasn't a mini though. It was. Uh, oh no, this was a cab. It was one yeah. of the black, one of the London black cabs. Yeah, yeah, they're a weird kind of cab. There's a. Uh... Uh, no, I'm not going to bring this show there. What? <laughs> You're going to pull back now? Yeah, yeah, when we're not recording. Sorry. Too much. Wow, that's a first. This, yeah. just in, this just in, folks. There is a limit to how far we'll derail. It's pretty far afield, but there's a limit. Yeah, if, if you want in on this, you're going to have to actually participate in the audiobook club and and the after show. Ooh, you've been called out. So anyway, yeah, the time travel thing was really well done, I have to say. Um, There's a lot of time travel stories that exist on Earth today. This one did it really well, just knowing that you can't screw with time. You can't, I mean, you can't go back in time and, and, you know, hand yourself a winning lottery ticket uh, because the footman will find out and they'll bust your ass. You know, I mean, that was, I thought it was really well done. I thought it was excellent. 
I completely disagree. Well, let me rephrase that. I agree with the parts you're talking about. It was the mechanics of how does the time travel work that they just didn't address at all. You look at this piece of paper, you close your eyes and you drive and it just happens. Seemed so weird that it didn't even make any sense. It was a plot bullet. It's not supposed to make sense. Yeah, it was a plot bullet because it it was a really small part of the map and you can't do anything you want. But really, they did anything they wanted with it. No, the only time they did any significant time travel was when uh, Nero didn't have the map and he just kind of guessed. Well, that was the furthest time that they spanned was, what, a couple of months. But that's not the only significant time. He he did a time travel jump where he might not even jumped in time, but in space he jumped into the office of the director. I guess what I mean by the mechanic is... You know, is it the cab? Is it the map? Is it the – it's because it sounds like you don't need the cab or the map and it just happens, but you have to be looking for it, but you have to know where to go. But it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it doesn't even try to make sense. No, it seemed to me like you don't need the cab to do the time traveling. It's the map that lets you do the time traveling, time and space, really, because they would jump from place to place. The The map lets you do time and space, and he could have done it in any vehicle. I think the significance of the cab is that it's just as invisible as the the balloons. Okay, but the, the time he just kind of glances at the map and then wings it. I think he's just used to doing that he's used to the time travel thing it's it's like you're used to driving you may not know where you're going or or how to get the thing out of the parking lot but if you just wing it you're you're going to do something but i mean i still have to you know turn the key or push the goofy button on the dashboard or something there still has to be a a go and it doesn't there was no go button or magic words or it just kind of happened what he's trying to say is he didn't have a he didn't have like a telephone booth and he just can't wrap his head around this if there's no telephone booth. Uh, not quite. No. But it's like he didn't have a telephone booth, but he did. But it didn't say if he needed it. And it would be like the doctor time traveling without the TARDIS, just like, but not also not having one of the the, the wrist things that they would just just like brain power time traveling or something. It just confused me a lot. What if it were a DeLorean? Then would you get it? Yes, because the DeLorean has specific conditions. You get up to 88 miles an hour, you get struck by lightning, and then you travel through time. I think we could safely say you can take a drink for that. Unfortunately, my beer's gone. It's really, really stupid that Doc Brown never made the DeLorean electric. Because, I mean, the gas engine, that thing, was so stupidly weak anyway. And if it were electric, Mr. Fusion would have handled everything. Why did they have to be right about Star Wars? (laughs) <laughs> of wow. all, Did all finish of your the, drink of all the off the wall crazy stuff back to the future predicts why is it that star wars is the one they get right because it was obvious even then star wars was made for children and it really wasn't any good and there's no way they're leaving that money on the table but disney yes yeah. it just hurts me in my soul I don't even remember the specific prediction. I'm going to have to watch it again. I'm sure you can just look up Star Wars 7. Um, well, no, now that might not work. But Back to the Future, Star Wars 7. Hold on. I'll see if I can find the image. the image. I think Back to the Future, Star Wars prediction would probably do it. So that book, though. Yeah, I was just trying to think of, like, 
the I, I've got the part of the sentence that goes, "What the hell was up with the?" But the 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 I've been I'm working on it. I think there's an overwhelming number of thes, and it's so like untangled that it's hard to even like get your footing. Is to like I don't even know where I want to start. Yeah, but if you just kind of mellow out with that you know, with the interrogation part of the listening and just kind of let it happen, let it wash over you. Um, it kind of all sort of worked for me. See, the first time I listened to it, it was years ago. And I remember not liking it as much as I liked it this time. and Because I was just kept trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. This time I listened to it and I pretty much had the notion that I wasn't going to figure out all of what's going on, but that if I paid attention, a little more attention to the specific events and the specific details, that I might kind of get a little more of an idea of of maybe not what's going on, but why they don't care. And I think I get it. They really don't care because it's none of their business and meddling is only going to get them in trouble. Um, and not that they aren't in trouble all the time anyway, but the kind of trouble they don't want to be in. Well, they specifically get in the kind of trouble that keeps them under the radar. <laughs> so, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, like, okay, so the time travel thing that, you know, why why don't they use this time travel for more personal gain? Well, because they don't want to get involved with the footman. The footman can do things to them that they don't even want to know about. You know, why don't we know more about the meat marketers? Well, because these guys don't want to get close to the meat marketers. You know, why don't we want to get, why don't we know more about the gambling scene? Well, because the guy who runs the gambling scene is a bad character and you're you're in serious trouble if you even, you know, hear his name mentioned. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's just, it's hard as a reader to get any kind of anchor other than the characters. And like you said, I, I like you said earlier, I didn't find Theo to be a relatable character at all. I found her mostly annoying. And I, I liked Kilby a little bit, but I was like, I could hang out with this dude for 30 minutes and then I probably want to punch him. <laughs> and Nero is like the one character that I was like, all right, I can. I found that like when he was by himself, I followed those chapters better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think he kind of drove the plot to like whatever whatever plot there was to this for me it was always like all right well how's Nero getting out of this how's how's you know what I mean like at the end of this story what's gonna happen to Nero how will he how will things be made right for him because if they're not then it's not gonna be a satisfying story and since there really was no ending and that question is unanswered I, I can't say it's unsatisfying the fish hallucinations were cool like Almost red dwarf cool. <laughs> and drink. Yeah, that was another, that was like the other scene that really stood out for me. And it was like, it was almost like horror instead of anything else, just because it was like, it's going on and nobody seems to care that it's going on. And you're just kind of sitting there watching this happen. But then to realize that it didn't actually happen, that, or did, but it didn't happen to everybody. Like, that was a good scene. And I think if it was more of that, I would have been into it. But I don't know. It just seemed like flashes of brilliance in this. There was a little more of that. I mean, the scene on the train was like that. That was pretty cool where something happened, but then it was kind of erased from history so that no one knows it happened. But I mean, it it still did happen. That was the cool thing about 
the way they erased history in this. It still happened. Just nobody knew it. Yeah, but that was early enough in the book that I was still trying to like figure out. I'm like, okay, so this book's about this lady and her boyfriend, like the first two chapters until anything happens. And I, I was I was thoroughly confused. I, I, I remember exactly it was chapter nine was the first point in the book where I felt like I had an anchor and some kind of inkling as to what was what I was reading, like what was going on. And I remember thinking to myself, like I'm a third of the way through this book and I'm just now like latched on in some kind of way that that's a problem. And what was the event around which you had that thought? I don't even remember. Really? Which, which is sad. Like, I just, I, I remember, and I think it was like literally they started explaining something, and I was like, oh, I can start to piece together some kind of logic. It can be screwed up logic. Nobody loves like weird, surreal more than me. Like, I, I will buy into that, but I think there has to be some sort of anchor to sort of grab into it. Some kind of order to the particular universe you're expected to suspend your disbelief of. Yeah, it doesn't have to be real logic, but it has to be some sort of logic. Even if that logic is uh, the opposite of regular logic. Like, just something. Just something to to where I can predict and, you know, make sense of things. I just, I just felt like consistently lost, not by what the characters were doing or what they were saying, but just like, why? Why? Why is this? Why? Well, okay. So that's two good points there. It, the first, it sounds to me like you're saying you like a story to be true to itself, which I don't know how many times I've said that on this podcast. And maybe that's not what you're saying. Maybe it's just me hearing my words out of you. Um, and the other thing is, you know, why and why isn't it true to itself? And I kind of think it was. The truth of this universe is that there is no truth unto itself, that it's all a conglomeration of all of us and we do what we do because we're doing it and you do what you what you do because I'm not doing it and and it is a big mess and it and it does sort of fit together in a way that's not solid not consistent just like the guys moving tattoos i think if that was like the theme of the book and the plot had some connection to that theme I think we might have a good story on our hands. Uh, I just, the way it is now, I don't think it's either it's too much going on and they're not related enough for me to figure it out or there's just not enough going on. And I can't, I, I can't tell which one it is. And it's probably my, a lack of creativity and understanding on my part that's causing that. But I just can't figure out whether it's just information overload or just too much stuff that's not connected anyway. No. I don't think it's about understanding and imagination. I think I think maybe for me it's more about like art, like this the the story, the setting is an art piece and the uh you know the plot was just a way to move you through the gallery and like back when I was in high school and actually did you know had an art class, so I I I did what you know I had to pretend could be considered art. A lot of times I would just take a piece of paper and a pen and kind of make big swooping scribbles around the paper and then just color them in in different colors. And I, I kind of liked that. And this is kind of like that. What? That's that? You broke the audio book club, Bogey. Damn it. <laughs>
I feel like I'm always doing that. Well, somebody's got to do it. Man, I'm not the only guy who broke it tonight. You guys don't even know somebody else broke it yet. He th- thematically consistent with this book. He already broke it sometime in the past. He 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 broke a part of the club that hasn't happened yet sometime in the past. What? Mind blown. Yeah, well, I had a suggestion for an audio book because uh, I thought it was a good one, and it was from a a genre that we haven't even touched yet. And today is the guy's, the author's birthday. And don't ask me how I know that. My phone tells me birthdays now that I don't ever remember knowing anything about. And I was going to do that, but then his audiobooks, I think he only ever had one, but he's got nothing on audiobooks. It's been pulled down. It's it's under slash removed. Yuck. Boo. Yeah, boo indeed. Public shaming. Well, I did enjoy the audiobook that he used to have on there, so I will say happy birthday to Matthew Wayne Selznick and your audiobook that was on audiobooks, uh Brave Men Run was fantastic. I really, really liked that one a lot. But now we're not reviewing it on the audiobook club. Relicensing sucks. I don't know if he relicensed it. He they just pulled it down. I mean, I could. I oh man, I I'm sure I have a copy. It's probably on the hard drive that I have that I can't find that crashed. And I was going to try to repair it, but I can't find it. Yeah, but if anybody besides the three of us wanted to talk about it, they would have to get access to your hard drive. Yeah, I know. Or I'd have to post it somewhere, which I'm legally allowed to do if I can find it. It was a Creative Commons license at the time, but still, I I can't find it. So I was forced to, to, if you guys, if neither of you has one, I was forced to be reminded of another audiobook from Audiobooks that was mentioned in my searching of his stuff. Go for it. Well, if either of you guys has one, it's, I don't think it's my turn. Well, it's I certainly have, not my turn. I have a big nothing, so go for it. Oh, okay. Are we ready for that part? I think I am. Yeah, I don't... Uh, it, it's I, ambigu- an ambiguous ending for a book that ends ambiguously. That's much better than what I was trying to say, but of the same vein. Oh, the hand of God just reached down and ended the audio book, the audiobook club. I keep trying to say audio book this time. And when we say hand of God, we just mean pokey, space nope. pokey. No, 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 no. I meant Deus Ex Machina because that's how this thing ended. Right, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, in a parallel universe, we're deciding what book we're going to listen to for next month. All right, let me. Just verify that it's still available. <laughs> if it's not, this is this is awesome. If it's not, I do have something here, but only if that book is also unavailable, in which case, first I will laugh. Oh, it is still available. Thank goodness. No, you wouldn't be able to laugh. It wouldn't be allowed if it was not available because, sadly, the author of this book died uh, like a year ago, maybe two years ago. Like, suddenly, he got news, two weeks to live, and he lasted to two weeks and maybe not even that much dang that's rough it was really rough it was really sad it's okay so so does that mean we're required to like the book um no not because the guy died uh but i believe the two of you guys at least will enjoy this book i'm maybe you won't maybe you will i'm not gonna give anything about this one away um other than to say that I really liked it, and it's one of my favorites. 
So the name of the book, and I, I had to search because I, I thought we might have even reviewed it on one of the earlier shows, but we didn't. So the name of this book is Murder at Avedon Hill, and it is by the, the very, very sadly now deceased author P.G. Holyfield. And is this on Putty of Books? It is indeed. I was just pasting the link as you were asking. So this book is in the realm of... Well, it's kind of in two realms. It's in the realms of of fantasy and mystery. And you would think that that would be very poorly done since usually a fantasy world is completely open-ended. So how do you solve a mystery? Um, But, and I don't know, maybe this falls into that or not. I don't know. But I thought it was, I just, I really enjoyed this one multiple times. Groovy. Looks cool. So far, your recommendations have have been pretty pretty on the mark. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, cool! Thanks. This is an old one too. This is uh, I know there's there's some newer books that other people have said we have to do, and I wasn't thinking of those. But since I don't know, I just saw this one when I was looking for the other guys' books, and I, I remembered that I liked it so much. And since it was the other guy's birthday, and he pulled his stuff down, let's do one from a, a fellow who's now deceased. Well, try not to be flippant there. I think if somebody wants to recommend an audiobook, they need to be on the audiobook club. So come on, join us. It shouldn't just be the three of us. Join us now and share the book club. You'll be free. Hackers, you'll be free. Ah, where's Ken Fallon when we need him? Send up the Fallon Fallon signal. Ken Fallon's always with the Ken Fallon signal. My guess is he's over in Europe and probably asleep. He is always vigilant with the uh, the software freedom song if we need him. I I don't know if he had that version of it holstered, but yeah, he does always have a version of it holstered. I like the one that John O'Bacon did. Now yeah, my favorite's still that with the Guster one. I'm OG. I just rocked the original. Oh, with with Stallman drumming on the table. Yeah, it's awesome. Bitching. Anybody got anything else to add to this? this book or anything else only that i really like when i'm here because i'm able to say bitchin and someone gets it no no one realizes i'm referencing something bitchin well that's really everyone else's loss it truly truly is 20 wolfie for your correct use of bitchin i just reread another one of his books that is i have to say still my absolute favorite wait which one makers have you read, uh, oh, what's it called? The Rule of Names, I think? True Names, is that what you're talking about? True Names is it True Names? I was weird as hell, but in a good way. Oh, it's my absolute favorite of, of Cory Doctorow's. That is so good. Time See, and time it, again. It's so different than everything else of his that, I don't know, I like it, but uh, I just don't like it better than Makers. I keep hearing about Makers. I've got to read that. They make shit. It's cool. I think I, I have listened to that one, and it's it just, and I'm sure I liked it. I've liked everything I've ever read of Cory Doctorow's, but uh, I don't know. That one's just not sticking as well in my brain. That's the one where they're like in abandoned shopping malls and stuff. Yep. Yeah, I just don't remember anything else about it. All right, everyone. So this has been the HPR Audiobook Club with another fine audiobook review. So uh, join us next month. And talk about murder at Avedon Hill. It should be fun. By the 
late, great, dearly departed PG Holyfield. And it's available on patiobooks.com. I love patiobooks, but I, we got to spread the love. I got to keep trying. I had to do, we, I have to look for some more, uh, what do you call it? LibriVox books for my next, uh, turn, which should not be for a very long time. People should be joining in and taking their turn. I had a Libra. I have a LibriVox for my next pick. I think I do. I think it's on there, but I have to double check. Well, you're next, Taj. So you, you got to find something or you're stuck with whatever I pick again. Damn it. Good night, everyone. Bye. Taj, it's your turn. What? Not it's yet. your turn, Taj. <laughs> Not yet. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. So, me and my buddy, uh, last Saturday, we did, uh, they call it a, a formula experience. So, I don't know if, you've ever, if you guys have ever heard of like the NASCAR experiences, like or the Richard Petty School or that kind of thing. Do you ever hear of those things? Can't say that I have. Well, there's nope, nope. pretty much two standard ways of doing it. They have a ride-along and they have an experience. And the ride-along is where you sit in the passenger seat and a professional driver drives a race car around a racetrack and they do that for i mean all they do any kind of racing basically that's, that's interesting but mostly what you'll see is star so they'll have a nascar type car um and they'll do exotics which i think cost quite a bit of money and then they do formula cars and uh me and my buddy went and did one of the formula cars and we did it on a road course and that was insane. Um, so formula car just means an open wheeled race car. There's like a off villa that the, uh, that the racing series sticks to. And these particular cars happen to happen to be formula Ford. So they're like a two, two liter Ford Z tech motor, like 140 horsepower, not a lot of horsepower, but it's like an 1100 uh, pound car. And it's, I mean, you're sitting an inch and a half off the ground and, uh, I mean, go-kart precision handling, super twitchy race car. And at that weight, even 140 horse can spin the tires pretty much any time that you're not going in a perfectly straight line. That's yeah, that like fun. Was in, it was intense. It was in, I mean, it was like being on the track. I, I can't even say it was fun. It was so intense it, being in the moment. You, you, you know, like I didn't even remember to have fun. It was super cool. Everyone should try it once. What does my audio sound like? Does it sound like terrible? No, not at all. Sound normal. Do I normally sound terrible? No. 
Okay, I just had to reset my mixer the other day, and I was hoping I got it close to being right. I was about to say, haven't you heard the show? But then I guess you haven't, because I haven't posted any of my dink. Shots fired. I know, I got to do it. I really got to do it. Yeah, I tried to... I risked a dist upgrade on my um, my little EPC running Debian stable, and that didn't go well. That's basically what happened here. <laughs> I did the upgrade to get the new own cloud because own cloud will not leave you alone if you don't have the new own cloud. And I did the dist upgrade because it was being held back, and it totally just like fell on its face, and now it's stuck in crazy maintenance mode. Yeah, I just had to do a reinstall. I, I mean, I didn't have to. I Well, I had to. Someone could have fixed it, not me. It's about my skill level. A lot of times, even though I have the skill, it's just more expedient to wipe something and redo it anyways. It really is. Oh, I said that once on Dev Random, too, and everybody thought I was the biggest asshole. And I was like, what? Since 15 minutes on a fast box. Yeah, every time, like, Grub gets like fucked up i'm like i know i can fix this but i could totally have this reinstalled in like 20 minutes so i'm just going to do that instead right oh, is it's clean oh see i'm the you know server guy admin guy who the stuff on my server is much more important than the hour of time it will take me to fix grub well yeah so you back that stuff up or and you have a separate home directory like a separate partition for your for your home directory yeah, I just back stuff up. That's that's why I'm like, worst case scenario, I just uninstall it on cloud and reinstall it and just point back to my backup directories and we're fine, or my backup databases and we should be fine. My wife got a new phone that's sort of Linuxy. Is it for real Linux? Because I want one. No, 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 God, no. It's Android. It's a we got our Samsung Galaxy S4 Active, and I think I'm gonna have to get one too. That's a really nice phone. I've had an S4 for two years and. I love it. It's awesome. It does everything I want to do. It hasn't even showed signs of slowing down. It's amazing. I have a, what is now a very old uh, Note 2, and it's wicked fast, too. And it also does everything I can think of to do with a phone. It's just too big. And it's not waterproof. The, the S4 Active is waterproof. Yeah, I we were looking at phones because my wife wants to upgrade hers because we're due. And um, I was looking at the new Samsung, and it's like... They complete. There's no way I'd buy it. There's, I, I have to have an SD card slot and I have to have removable battery, which basically means there's only like two phones out that do that anymore. It's stupid. Really? Is it that bad now? Yeah, it's stupid. Like, I think LG's got a phone that does it, and I think some of the Motorola phones will do it, and that's about it. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'll just stick with what I got. I know it works. Yeah, my two year old Motorola has the SD slot, but it does not have a removable battery. Damn. You know, it's weird. I was saying when we were looking at phones and we just did a search for waterproof phones because we figured it'd be handy if we both had a waterproof phone on the motorcycle. And we were looking through this list and I said, you know, it's really sad when you look at a list of good phones that Nokia is not here competing in this realm. They, It's the same thing with Nokia and BlackBerry both. Like, why? Just make Android phones. Like... If you would give me a good Nokia, like the N900 with a keyboard that ran Android, Android, I'd be all over that shit. I mean, you couldn't get me one fast enough, because, but it's just like they, we, we have to do Windows Phone, which nobody wants. The problem is 
only the nerds would buy it because only the nerds want a physical keyboard. Even if it didn't have a physical keyboard, I would buy a phone that said Nokia on it way faster than I would buy 90% of what's out there now for brands. That's I, 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 I cannot type on a virtual keyboard. Like I will ig- ignore <laughs> like text messages because just because I don't want to type on the fucking keyboard. I'm just that I hate them that much. I, I, I just I, I still want a Linux phone. Like give me a phone that is Linux and let me just run whatever I want on it. Um, probably the the Pirate Dragon Box, which is like this game emulator thing that people are working on now, is perfect. I want that as a phone, but it's like six hundred dollars and not that powerful. Taj, you just sound like a grumpy old man. Get off my lawn! Yeah, it's, I don't know. Cyanogen mod with the F Droid market on it comes pretty close to being like stable and open. I mean, it's it's not GNU by any means, and it's not user friendly. Still, like you you still you don't have a file system that works. <laughs> you know, there's not a there's not a file browser available that actually works well. You know, and that and that sucks. But no, um, it's not, not from, bad. I can live with it. Not from F-Droid, but I find uh, ES Explorer. I think that's what it's called. Let me look. Is it from Google Play or is it from a, another market? It's on the Play Store. And I would counter that there is a wonderful file manager on F-Droid. What's the name of it? Have you ever used Midnight Commander? Uh, A little. I think I tried it once or twice. There is a program called Ghost Commander, which is basically Midnight Commander for Android. It's oh, ES, yeah. ES File Explorer, and it's from the Play Store. I think I'm going to try Ghost Commander first since it's from F-Droid. I always try F-Droid first. It's awesome, and there's only, there's a lot, like, if you get it from the Play Store, there's lots of plugins, but I don't need those plugins. The only two plugins I need are in F-Droid. There's a plugin to do FTP and SFTP, and there's one to do Samba. And so you can run all that through Ghost Commander, and it's awesome. It I got rid of, like, three proprietary apps for that one open source app. It was awesome. Yeah, most of the file browsers let you run a Samba share or an FTP or something. Uh, I don't usually need that. What What I would like to have is maybe a progress bar when I'm copying. That would be handy. Ghost Commander has that. Okay, I'm in. It takes a little getting used to, like, knowing what, like, if you if you touch the icon for the the file, it opens. If you touch, like, the right-hand side of the file, like, they're in bars, and if you hit the right-hand side, it selects it. So, I mean, it takes a little getting used to, but if, if you've ever used Midnight Commander, it's you can fly through it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm going to give that a shot because I've been using, uh, I think, OI File Manager for a file browser for a long time. And it, oh, God. It, it works, but not well. Yeah, I've that, tried that's several rough. others that have been worse. I've tried at least three others that are just worse even than that. It's funny. I was going to do an app pick for my beverage pick because I'm drinking water and it's out of F-Droid 2. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. Speaking of picks, do you guys want to get started? Seems like 50's not here, and it's well past our usual-ish, start-ish time. Yeah, let me run and grab my beer so it's ready for when we reach the halfway mark. Eh, that's not it. a bad idea. I'll go do that, too. I usually wait till we get there, but I'll just go get it now. 
I'll just do a song and dance while you guys are gone. No, really, I'm not doing a song and dance. It's not happening.